This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. On the show, you'll hear from leading Australian business owners as they share the lessons they've learned building their companies. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialised techniques you can use to improve your business. I'm your host, Savan Chuna, and I'm a director at Alexander Spencer, and I'm really passionate about helping Australian businesses succeed. As traditional boundaries blur, businesses must navigate a dynamic space filled with challenges. Pixels replace storefronts and clicks surpass foot traffic. A user-friendly website is a digital storefront. Mobile responsiveness is no longer a luxury, but a necessity. What are the online shopping habits of the audience? What platforms do they frequent? How do they engage with digital content? Research becomes the compass, guiding every subsequent decision. Embarking on the e-commerce journey requires more than just setting up a website. It demands a strategic mindset. In today's episode of The Bottom Line, we have the pleasure of having Todd Foote, the co-founder and CEO of Hatch Brands, a private equity investment firm acquiring and building niche e-commerce businesses. Todd provides us with a comprehensive overview of the e-commerce landscape. You'll learn the necessary preparations when considering e-commerce for your business, gain insights into selecting and thriving on multiple e-commerce platforms, and Todd shares his valuable insights for businesses looking to employ e-commerce as a growth strategy. Let's dive in. Todd, thank you so much for joining me on The Bottom Line today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to have this chat. So before we get into it, for people that don't know who you are, tell us a little about yourself. I am Todd Ford. I'm the CEO of a business called Hatch Brands. It's a business that we put together about two years ago and really wanted to bring a top-tier e-commerce management approach to a group of small businesses. So essentially, I've, I've spent nearly 20 years operating e-commerce businesses and working in some large businesses, including a US multinational retailer over there. And we, we really came up with this idea just over two years ago to put Hatch together and seek to find amazing mom and dad run kind of businesses that we think that we can take to the next level. And so putting kind of a, a shared service management structure over the top and helping to scale and, and bring those brands to their full potential. Now, we can't stop there. We do need to know more about you because I... I have spoken to you in the past and you have an amazing resume. So take us a bit deeper in that because you've worked overseas, you've done some amazing things in Australia in that e-commerce space. For the people that are not privy to your resume, I'd love to dive deeper into your experiences personally. Yeah, absolutely. So look, um, I started life as a, as a young eBay trader, even while I was in high school and kind of progressed from there. I, I ended up setting up uh, Bingley's e-commerce site which is a, a big New South Wales-based electrical retailer for those that aren't aware, then progressed on to some great opportunities. I worked at Optus and led their postpaid mobile phone sales on their website, then went and worked for Fred Shibesta, who runs finder.com.au. From there, really, things just kind of ramped up from there, went and spent some time in the US, worked for Bed Bath & Beyond, 
which sadly is is a retailer that recently went through a big bankruptcy, but they were an enormous retailer. They had 1,500 stores at one point and were doing more than a billion dollars in e-commerce revenue. Yeah, it was certainly impressive to spend some time there and work with their leadership to continue to grow that e-commerce business. So, you know, from there, um, I kind of came back in 2018, took a role in private equity, got a taste for private equity and really just, again, saw this opportunity to work with private equity backing to do this hatch plan and put together this group of businesses that can, yeah, really see some great small businesses succeed and succeed in a group and be backed by top tier management, like I say. What you do, obviously, is you know how to scale an e-commerce business. You said early on, you're an eBay trader. Do you have any formal qualifications? Or was it the fact that you were just so computer savvy, you did the stuff on eBay, and you got down this rabbit hole of e-commerce? Do you have a, a marketing degree or anything like that? Or you just yeah, I do. To, yeah. I studied economics and marketing at University of New South Wales. But prior to doing that, I had already yeah, traded online and got a taste for it. And you know, I think there's certainly a retailer deep within me that you know I'm very passionate about retailing and retailing well. And you know, always seen digital channels as being a critical part of the future of retail. And uh, you know, I think ultimately omnichannel is going to be the way that retail is done for the rest of my time. And um, yeah, certainly excited to you know help succeed and scale some some big brands in Australia. So let's dive deeper into Hatch Brand. So you've co-founded it two years ago. You are the current CEO. What's the mandate? Do you acquire businesses to grow them? Do you do a 100% acquisition? Do you see yourself as a private equity firm? Tell us a little bit about Hatch Brands and what it does and, and how does it sort of provide its services as Hatch in its own right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's certainly not a private equity firm or anything like that. We do have. I guess my, my fellow board members are, are from a private equity firm called Nash out of Melbourne. But this is a standalone business that you know has received investment and is here to invest into or acquire wholly great retail businesses that have big potential to scale in our eyes. Do you mind sharing who are the current companies within the Hatch Brands ecosystem? Yeah, so look, to be honest with you, our our first acquisition was a business called Designer Chandelier. And that was a business that that we saw great potential in. It was based out of Geelong originally. We acquired that nearly two years ago. And we've had great, great success since we acquired that business. And beyond that, we've seen some interesting times in the economy. A lot of these e-commerce businesses have had a, a big pullback in revenue since COVID went away, if you will, or at least since people could get back to stores. So we've been challenged in finding good opportunities post-COVID, but we're starting to see that really shift. We have created another lighting brand called Piece by Piece because we saw that as kind of the opportunity in the short term was to put in place a a new brand and and look to scale that. We're close on acquiring um, another business at the moment. So yeah, stay tuned on that one. Amazing. Now let's dive into e-commerce. Let's talk about sort of things that you can do well and not so well. But before we get into it, what preparations should a business make when they've decided that e-commerce is part of their business strategy? So some of those mum and dad businesses, especially the older ones, have been so used to the bricks and mortar retail outlet. What advice do you have for businesses that want to go down that e-commerce path? I'd say a few things. One, 
anyone can do it. I think that it's, it's amazing the tools that are out there and the opportunity that exists. I'd probably compare it to landscaping and having a garden in your house and so on. And, you know, you might want to get some external advice early on on just how to set things up well, you know, whether you set up a Shopify store and how you upload product and get the basics right. And then from there, it's that kind of maintenance page. You know, what do you do to expand and grow from there? And what are some great ways to market? You know, I think that there are great opportunities to market very cost effectively right now digitally to promote your digital business using tools like Facebook, which is now Meta, Instagram, and TikTok. And, you know, I know a lot of people are probably quite reluctant to jump into, into platforms like TikTok. But the reality is, is what TikTok's done is really changed the way that people consume material. If you think back to the original Facebook days, it was all about your friends and just seeing your friends' content. And now we move to a TikTok model which is being infused through reels into, into Instagram and Facebook's got, you know, got stories and so on. And this model is an algorithm-based model whereby based on your interest, they're feeding you content they think that you want. And what that allows businesses to do is actually create great content. And again, you know, this is stuff you can just shoot on your iPhone, nothing too complicated, that will intrigue a potential customer and get them to come and have a look at your website. And so for just the cost of producing the content, you're effectively able to now get in front of a number of people, depending on you know how well engaged it is and so on. Influencers can essentially get in front of millions of people without paying for advertising on the platform and then be able to bring, bring a chunk of those through to the brand that they're promoting. And so you as a business have the same opportunity to do that if you get creative with the content that you're putting up on these platforms. And how important is it to hire consultants and advisors early on because you mentioned tools a few times and and I do want to talk about your favorite tools later on but before we get to that is it there enough access to resources for businesses if they have the time to be able to do it themselves if you've got the time to go and do the research there's lots of great online portals where you can go and and, read and learn how to do it that there's an amazing individual called um, Davey Fogarty who's the the Audi founder who publishes some great content. I think Jane Liu from Shopo has got a similar program where she's she trying to train people. But there are also lots of good free resources out there. If you, you know, if you literally just Google, you will be able to find some great advice on how to get started. And, and you know, Shopify, I, I strongly recommend Shopify. I think for small businesses, it's an amazing platform. It gives you a very cost-effective way to start. And you can actually use the Shopify resources that they've got a lot of good published material on how to get started how to set your products up right, category pages and, and a homepage and make it look right. And they've got great templates and, and everything to get you started. So that would probably be the best place to start if you didn't want to get a consultant involved. And let's talk about Shopify. Obviously, it's such a powerful brand and so popular with e-commerce websites. At what point does Shopify become not good enough for your brand or for your the volume that you're doing? At what point does it tap out? I'd say that there's a lot of debate and discussion around this. There are brands like JB Hi-Fi that are using Shopify, for example. It's Shopify Plus, so they have a higher-end platform called Shopify Plus, which is what we use as well. And that is able to accommodate very large brands like a JB Hi-Fi. So yeah, for any small to medium-sized business, I wouldn't even have any concerns around it. In some of my prior roles, we've certainly had custom-built e-commerce platforms, but I think 
you'd probably be up around the $1 billion mark before it makes sense to make that kind of investment. So anyone in Australia would be shocked if, they're, if they think that there's a real need to custom build something or go away from Shopify Plus. That is really good advice because I've actually, it's great to learn that because I speak to clients, we've got a lot of clients in different industries and, and a fair bit in the e-commerce space. But I know that this question has been asked in, in the boardroom and people in the marketing and website developers have, have tried to convince clients that their website needs a custom built e-commerce platform. If it's good enough for JB Hi-Fi to use Shopify Plus, I reckon that just answers the question. You don't even need to answer it because it just validates that you don't need to spend the money. I'm assuming Shopify Plus is not, you know, super cheap, but you don't need to build a custom. And and really with the Shopify Plus style of investment or the back end, there'd be a fair bit of customization that allows your brand to be unique anyway online, right? Yeah, so look, everyone can heavily customize Shopify and even you know some of the parts that, that historically you couldn't customize, you now can. I'll get to that in a second. But I mean, certainly a retailer like JB Hi-Fi has spent a lot of time customizing it for their needs and, and to you know do a better job of SEO and do a better job of converting each customer that hits their website. I think traditionally where people used to criticize Shopify was around their checkout. And they've actually done a, a huge improvement on that this year, whereby they moved from a, an old model where it was four or five pages off the top of my head to get through that checkout process. And so it was a bit clunky and, and you lost, I mean, if every step you add in that journey, it's really detrimental and you lose shoppers through that process. Whereas they've now actually switched to a, a one-page checkout model and you can actually customize it quite a bit, put some branding in, put your phone number in, you know, make sure people feel comfortable completing that purchase and you're not losing people unnecessarily in that checkout step. And that that was probably the last remaining barrier, if I'm honest, for people that, that, that were naysayers against Shopify that they've now kind of addressed. So let's go through some tips and tricks. So there's got to be some tips on businesses that do e-commerce really well and the ones that don't. What sets them apart? What are some of the little things that you can give to our audience that that have an e-commerce business that they should just have? Yeah, absolutely. So I like to think of it in kind of three different stages, like a marketing funnel, if you will. So starting at that customer acquisition piece, you know, how do I do customer acquisition really well? There's probably two or three key things that you need to spend some time in getting right. So if you start with Google, Google's quite good because it's got a huge number of people that are searching products, searching for products on that platform every day. And what I really like about Google is that they are pretty clear about what you need to do to optimize within their platforms. They obviously don't want you to, to do anything malicious or anything that would game the system too far, but they're pretty clear on, on the things that you can do to maximize your outcome on that platform. And they're things like making sure that people understand what content's on the page. So, you know, having good descriptions of products, having good detail about your brand, having great imagery that, that they can understand what it is with all the right meta tags and so on. Having a fast loading website, one of the things that people don't appreciate enough is the load time of a website and how that impacts your SEO. It's really critical and Google do it for good reason. If you have a slow website, it's a bad experience for the user and they're actually less likely to convert on your site as well. So hand in hand, it goes into their organic ranking algorithm that 
if you've got a slow loading website, you'll be penalized from an organic ranking standpoint. But it's just really, yeah, making sure that you tick all the boxes with your SEO optimization. Again, I actually wasn't intending to come here spruiking Shopify, but I will say once again, there are lots of plugins that you can get for Shopify and Shopify are even rolling out some new tools to help you every step of the journey, whether it's setting up a product or setting up a category page in Shopify, they've got some new AI tools to help you populate that all that content automatically or, or to enhance it. And yeah, it's just, just a matter of spending the time to actually go and do that. You know, too often I see businesses that have been around, around a long time but don't appreciate the algorithm that's in place and the data that needs to be ingested. And you've just got to spend the time to have that data hygiene right and tick all the boxes. And it's more of a one-off cost, if you will, to get that set up right. So that's kind of your Google piece. We got a little sidetrack there, but getting Google rights, I think is very important because even if you then go and jump into the other parts, which is, which is your social media, you want people to be able to Google your brand as well and have your site come up. And so I wouldn't rush off into social land too much without getting the, the basics right. So do that, get your Google piece right, and then jump onto yeah your social media platforms. And I think you know, really spend some time. What we find most effective, and, and I know it's certainly shared by, by other great e-commerce entrepreneurs, is the importance of great content, great creative for the platform. So again, I think we've shifted away from tweets kind of driving traffic to your site and even you know images which was the foundation of instagram i think we're kind of moving away from that as well we're now in a, in a video-led environment where i think it's billions of hours that people are now spending on on reels and tiktoks each day watching this content and so you've really got this opportunity to get in front of them either in an organic format or by paying to put it in front of them but you really want that content to be well received and so yeah, you've got to spend the time to test and learn. I think it is probably the thing that's not shared enough. And actually, if I'm honest with myself, you know, I studied marketing as you, as you brought up earlier. And it's just such a big change from when I studied marketing to what marketing is today. I think traditional marketers were all about like you had to get the science right. You had to overthink everything and make sure it was, it's kind of like a measure twice, cut once kind of approach because you were ultimately going to put things on TV maybe put a million dollar budget behind it and you couldn't afford to make a mistake. Whereas today we're in the opposite environment where we can create a million different pieces of creative and put them out on the platform and let the platform tell us what works. So essentially my advice is you want to jump in, get your feet wet, create a raft of content and trial different concepts, see what other people are doing in your space, but also have a think on your own and just go and put those pieces of content up on these platforms and start to learn what people like to hear and what they don't. And you know, it's equally informative to see both sides and be able to inform your, your path from there. Let's say you got them into the store and using the old bricks and mortar analogy, the aim of the exercise is to eventually get them to your store. What are some of the tools that you use? I mean, I don't shop a lot online, I'm, I have to say, but on the times that I do, you get pop-ups with sign up to our newsletter and then it's 10% off and then I click away from that and then I'm like, oh, I want to buy something. I want the 10% now and then, then there's the chat bots. What are the things that work? What are the actual things that make the client convert or customer convert when they're in? In a retail store, it's the beautiful lights and the way that the garments or the product is displayed and then you've got the people there as a sales retail assistance that help out, 
What is the trick and what are the tips once they're in and what works? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, I think first and foremost, you've got to get your navigation right and think through the user journey. So, I think it's really important to sit back and spend time on that. It depends on what type of retail you are as to what makes the most sense. For our brands, we've got a, like this lighting brand designer chandelier. We find that the majority of people want to shop by a type of light. So they either want a chandelier or they want a pendant or they want a wall sconce. And so we often find people just kind of navigating using our menus to get to those things. And then from there, they want to kind of filter down further. So they might want to shop by the color finish of the light or whether it's a modern chandelier versus a traditional chandelier and things of that nature. Whereas because we don't have that many products, we have about 700 products on our website. Search isn't critical to us. When you start to get to the thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions um, of SKUs, that's certainly the point where search becomes a critical piece. And there's a lot, there are a lot of great tools to help you optimize your search strategy. But if I was just a, a retailer to say less than a thousand SKUs and you're not covering too many categories, then I would focus my attention on, on using categories to guide people to what they're looking for. And then just make sure that you've really merchandised the product as, as best you can. You know, you should always filter your categories automatically by the best sellers that so people see what's best selling at the top. They have the ability to filter down from there. The imagery is great. So we, we always try and get a combination of the product image on a, on a white background, uh, but also a lifestyle shot. So, you know, put that wall sconce um, into a, a bathroom or put that chandelier into, into a living room and show it both ways. You've really got to merchandise your product well from an from imagery perspective. And then when it comes to content, we obviously put a lot of effort into making sure that all the key details that you need about that product are on the product page. So we have the size of the product, the weight of the product. But, you know, we stress a lot of our trust indicators, as you call them. So we offer a money-back guarantee. We offer free delivery and a lifetime warranty on our product. And so we like to really stress those elements at that point. Once you add the product page and you, you know, you, that product was the one that interested you, that's the time to start reinforcing your sell points and also make sure all the detail in terms of the specifications are there for the product. Let's talk about mobile versus laptop or PC. What are you seeing with the trend and how do we deal with mobile versus laptop or does Shopify and Shopify Plus deal with it once you build it. So let's dive in into your thoughts and feedback to the to our audience again around how e-commerce works in those two different platforms. That's a really great question, actually, and, and one that I don't think people spend enough time thinking about. Mobile is certainly now the primary device that people use to browse websites and, and retail websites. So we see roughly 75% of our users now coming through on mobile devices which has you know, gone up tremendously over the last decade. And previously, I remember the days when mobile was, I don't know, 10 or 20% of traffic and you used to not worry about it. Now it's flipped the other way. It's yeah, very important that you spend the time to think about how your site's looking on a mobile. And often, I'd still say the majority of people from what I see will critique their own website on a desktop, which I think is a big mistake. You know, I think if, if you're designing a website or enhancing a website, adding new features, to new functions, whatever it might be, you should always actually start with the mobile view of your site and say, you know, if I was a customer, does this work? Does this look right? This is how I expected it to look. Does the user journey still flow the same way? And is anything broken? 
and I don't think people do that enough. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. That from a behavior standpoint, we see the majority of, of our shoppers come through on a mobile device. However, there still is stronger conversion on a desktop. So what that kind of tells me is there are, I'd still say the majority of people are willing to browse and complete their purchase on a mobile device. But I think we also see that there's a chunk of people that say, you know, I'm going to do my browsing on a mobile phone and get, you know, get a feel for who the players are, what the, what are the, what, you know, narrow my consideration set of products and actually complete the purchase when I'm maybe at work or I'm at home on a desktop and I just feel more comfortable because I can actually spend the time and, and not have to look at it on a small screen or whatever it might be. We see that there is still a, a portion of customers that, that tend to kind of multi-device browse and shop. So going back to your main point, I would definitely focus my attention onto the mobile users. And Shopify certainly is great. Any template that you get these days from Shopify as the basis of your new site is going to be optimized for mobile. The, the trick is though, as you go through and kind of update it for your brand and your products, just go back and spend the time. Once you hit publish, go back and spend the time and actually browse again on your mobile, go through the shopping experience, always complete a test purchase as if you're a customer and you know, make sure that it, it flows as well as you expected it to um, on that mobile device. So Todd, Obviously, e-commerce is all done on your in your bedroom or wherever you are, maybe even on the train on your phone. Once you place the order, it gets delivered. How important is that unboxing the product, how it's packaged, and all those things when it gets delivered to you and the way it's presented at your home, how important is that to the actual journey of an e-commerce business being successful? It is a critical piece as well that is often overlooked. You know, I think people think, well, they already know what they bought. They bought it off our website. You know, why should we go to the effort to wow them on delivery? And I think you're exactly right. If, you know, at the end of the day, people are used to buying things in a store where the boxes are well presented, you know, a lot of thought goes into packaging in traditional retail settings. And so that shouldn't just be lost when it comes to buying online. And so, you know, you absolutely want to make sure that just starting from fulfillment, you want to, you know, set the expectation right on when the customer is going to get this. So, you know, when you are on your product page, ideally you try and share some detail about when stuff will ship out and how long it's going to take to arrive. So that, that, that's the first piece. So let's say we guide our customers that depending on where you are, it's one to three days to receive our goods typically. And so you've set the benchmark. Then when that box, you know, arrives, you want to have that same wow, like, oh, wow, I received this amazing thing, which is, you know, it looks to match the quality and the caliber that I was expecting from this retailer. And, you know, when I open it, it's the same thing. You, you want to wow that customer and make sure that they feel like it matches what they were seeking. Obviously, if, you, if you're a really discount retailer, and I know, you know, in some cities like, like Amazon, maybe even, even in a subscribe and save kind of environment, might want to just send things in brown packages because it's it's commodity item or whatever and you're trying to get it cheap. But if you're selling a quality product, you want to make sure that's reflected in the, the at-home experience when they're receiving that product. And I think the other thing that's overlooked in, in this is the branding piece. Depending on the types of items, I think Adore Beauty have a great, great case on this. You know, they package their stuff really well so that if it's received in an office, other people in the office know, they see the brand, they go, oh, Adore Beauty, and it's reaffirming that brand value and putting it back in other people's heads. It's kind of free advertising for you. 
And then Adore, you know, were smart enough to also just add in a Tim Tam. They're famously known for putting a Tim Tam in their boxes. So, you know, you might have bought some makeup, get it shipped to your office, and it just wows you on the other end. And also, it gives you that opportunity to wow people that might be around you at that time as well and actually acquire new customers for little little extra cost if you've kind of done that just in, in some nice packaging in a Tim Tam. I agree with that. I think being an accountant that looks after e-commerce businesses, we do talk about this a little bit and it's such a an overlooked strategy. And I've seen a few clients do it well. I had one client that had a little QR code in the in the box. It was just a QR code. And it said, scan me. That's all it said. You're going to scan every single time, right? You know, the customer scans it. And what happened is a video popped up of the founder of the product and literally thanking what the purchase, how it's best used, a bit of a background on the company, probably went for no more than 40 seconds. But he would have put in their things around Google reviews. If you don't like the product, we have a guarantee, send it back. But it was a video and this was done a while ago. And it just worked a treat because you haven't even used the product and you have this, I don't know, not a buyer's remorse, depending on how much you spend on things, but Sometimes when things come, did I need that? Did I not need it? The little trick that works. I, I, I think there's a, an element that you can do so much and be so creative on how you deliver that to the house. There was another client of mine that was very smart in the way they did it. They did their packaging, even though it went in a box, it looked like a gift, like what you would give to a child at Christmas. I mean, not with all the Santa stuff on it, but it had the bows and the whistles. I know it's probably done many times, but... It really worked for the product that they had, that it came in like a gift, like it was wrapped at home. And, and I think some of these things can take time or money, but I think it just shows that you care about your customer, even though you weren't there selling it to them and handing it to them at the retail store. So there's definitely a, a value in that and it's underutilized. Now, we could talk about e-commerce for I love e-commerce. I wish you could just e-commerce accounting services, but maybe that's something I'm going to have to work on. I'd love to be an e-commerce accounting entrepreneur. But before we go, I've got my last question is, is your favorite tool. So we've talked about Shopify, but excluding Shopify, what are your favorite tools that you like as a plugin or an app on top of a Shopify or e-commerce that you think that, our listeners that have a brand or an e-commerce brand should look and investigate in. Yeah, absolutely. Look, great question. Look, some of the fundamentals, Klaviyo is a no-brainer. So this is a modern email platform that integrates nicely with Shopify. It can be used on other platforms as well. But you know, traditionally, MailChimp was, was very well known in the space for emails. Klaviyo set its sights on just winning in the e-commerce landscape. And the way that they did that was they built a tool that is very sophisticated at doing email flows. So you know, what that means, what you mentioned before, customers seeing those pop-ups on their website, which, which we do as well, it's a great way to acquire new email subscribers that you'll hopefully convert into customers. Clavio is the platform to do that. You can put a, a little welcome offer. So we do you know, 10% off your first order. People sign up. They rarely buy in that session. But now you've got their email address you've got this opportunity to curate the messaging to that shopper and actually understand Clavier's got the smarts to say, well, hey, based on people that shop for gold chandeliers, we can actually curate the journey to be different 
to those people that are shopping for wall sconces and really spend the time to tailor make a journey for each different type of customer that comes into your business and automate the whole thing. So you might have one flow that's just around your welcome offer. So, you know, thanks again for subscribing. Here's your 10% off. And then three days later, if they still haven't made a purchase, you remind them about it, right? And that's all automated. And then you've got the other flows, you know, the browsing piece. So if you looked at red dresses on a website, you want to keep reminding people about red dresses and you also want to reinforce your brand. Why should I buy from you? What are the, the trust indicators, you know, the returns policy and the reviews that your business has? And you just keep following up with customers using Clavio as the tool to do that. And you can now do SMS as well. So that's probably one of the fundamentals I'd throw in there. I think there are also a great number of plugins that, that you should use on Shopify as well. There are a number of good review platforms, but I think reviews are really critical. I, I mentioned them, you know, just even in your emails, you always want to showcase that you're trustworthy by way of user-generated content or reviews. And so, you know, Yacht Post is probably one that's quite easy to interact with and quite cost-effective. And then there's, there's a number of others. We like to use a tool called Nudgeify, which comes up with a, a little pop-up that says, hey, you know, this product that you're looking at right now, it was actually purchased by somebody six hours ago and will kind of give their first name and their location. And again, it's just about giving people comfort in buying from you. You know, they might not have heard of your brand before. You know, JB Hi-Fi don't need to do this, right? But if you're a mom and dad business, um, this is something I'd strongly recommend. It's just about giving that trust. Now, to your point previously, you don't want to overdo all these pop-ups, but you've got to just make the journey make sense. You know, when people first hit your homepage, maybe you're giving them a sign-up offer. When they're on a product page, you're letting them know, hey, somebody's bought from you before. You've got the reviews from Yotpo on there. And then live chat. So we use an amazing platform called Gorgeous. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S. And that is fantastic. Uh, It was one of the first tools we put into Designer Chandelier when we acquired the business. And it enables you to get all the customer touch points into one central platform. So what do I mean by that? I mean, your phone, we direct our phone calls into Gorgeous. We get our emails directed into Gorgeous. We've got our Facebook and Instagram messages going into Gorgeous. And we have live chat on our website going into Gorgeous. And what that means is we can actually keep tabs on our customers and where they're interacting with us and make sure that we've got the right people getting back to them, make sure that we understand what other conversations they've been having, make sure we understand what purchases they made. So Gorgeous syncs in with our Shopify. It knows, hey, this customer who's calling you, they bought something from us a week ago. So they're probably calling in about that order. And so we can then automate a whole, a whole bunch of things to happen on that platform as well, whether it be automated scripts to say, if the inquiry talks about returns, send them all the details about how to return and send them to a return page and automate as much of that so that it's not delaying the customer and it's not taking up time with our staff either. You know, we're trying to get the best outcomes for both sides. And so that's really powerful. Or yeah, just have other automations like if they mentioned store locations, we, we give them the store locations. They want to know if they're about to purchase and they mention what's the money back guarantee. You know, we we can automate those messages rather than having a human actually populate that detail. It's just all there and ready to go and in one central spot. So they're probably the, the main ones that I'd recommend. Amazing. You're giving away all your secrets now, Todd. So you've got to hold back. We could talk e-commerce all day. I love the space. I think it's it's a, it's amazing what Amazon have done. It's amazing what some of these other big brands have done in this space. And it doesn't mean our mum and dad small businesses can't do the same. So 
I want to say thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. You were very humble in your background. You are an absolute expert in what you do. And we, I want to say thank you for joining me on the bottom line today. And I wish you all the best with all your ventures with Hatch Brands. Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. And thanks for having us, uh, Savan. This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. This podcast was produced by accountancy firm Alexander Spencer. At Alexander Spencer, we've been helping business owners realise their goals since 1952. And we play a pivotal role in developing, implementing and supervising the business goals and strategies of our clients. To find out how we can help your business succeed, head to our website, alexanderspencer.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Bottom Line, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Savan Tuna, and we'll be back next episode with more tips to help you transform your business. And that's The Bottom Line.